You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. Dan Grasa in for Dave here on this beautiful, sunny, glorious Saturday a.m. in the big city. 98.7 ESPN, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking it right up until 12 o'clock. Ty Butler, Jake Montgomery along for the ride producing the program. Get me on Twitter as always at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. And, and, you know, weather's beautiful outside. But it's got to be beautiful if you're a New York sports fan, and I guarantee you the majority of you listening to the show right now probably are, right? I'm going to go out on a limb and just kind of speculate. And more importantly, considering this is the busy season in hockey, this is the money season, if you're a Ranger fan, I mean, did you even get to sleep last night? When was the last time your feet touched the ground with how this club is playing right now? I I mean, think about this. Think about this. The New York Rangers, and let this marinate for a while. I'm going to say it, and I'll probably say it a lot over the next three hours. The New York Rangers are two wins away from the Stanley Cup final. I'll repeat that. The New York Rangers, the Broadway Blue Shirts, are two wins from the final. How did we even get here? How did you even think, when did you even think that something like that was possible? At what point could we have seen this coming? Forget about the regular season. Let's not go back even that far. Let's not bore ourselves. Let's just think about right here, right now, in this playoff run. After they played those two god-awful games in Pittsburgh and were trailing the Penguins three games to one, backs up against the wall, facing elimination. Did you think that the Rangers would be two wins away from the Stanley Cup final? You know, when they were able to fight back and get it to a Game 7 at Madison Square Garden against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then that game is going to overtime. Hell, you were trailing in the third period in that game. Did you think that you'd be two wins away from a Stanley Cup final? Then you move on to Carolina in the next round. Carolina team that won your division. You go out there, you play a really, really good game one. You think you're going to walk out of there with a victory, seize the home ice advantage. You let that one escape you. You lose in overtime. Then you come back game two, you get shut out. And then you're thinking, all right, now we have really little margin for error. You get it back 2-2. Then you go down to Carolina and play a game five, probably your worst game of the series, right? By everybody's admission, that game five in Carolina probably left a lot of doubt in people's minds going back to New York for game number six, knowing that you got to take care of business on your home ice. And then, and then if you do win game six, which they did, then you have to find a way to go back down to Carolina and do something that no team has been able to do so far in this postseason, and that's beat Carolina on their home ice. And what do they do? They blitz them. I mean, left little doubt. Wasn't even close. Unbelievable. That's right, Stemmer. Now you're in the conference final. Now you're taking on a team That is the standard right now in the National Hockey League, a team that's won the last two Stanley Cups, a team that has won 10 consecutive series in the postseason coming into this conference final. 
And I felt confident going into game one for sure because, you know what, Tampa Bay hadn't played in a week and a half. They were probably a little bit rusty. Rangers, there's been no let-up. They've been playing almost elimination games every single night for the last, what, two weeks? And the Rangers had a pretty convincing win in game number one. Easy. Kind of what you thought it would be, right? Taking advantage of maybe a little bit of rust that Tampa Bay was facing. Last night, though, was going to be a test, right? Last night was going to be the one where you said, all right, this Tampa team, how are they going to respond? This is a Tampa team that hasn't lost back-to-back games in the postseason in years, years. Last time Tampa Bay lost back-to-back games in the postseason, COVID-19 was a figment of our imagination. We didn't even know what the hell it was. If somebody brought that term up, he would say, what's that? Didn't even know. That's how long it's been. And the Rangers got it done again last night. Now, some people, though, and I'm not one of them, you know, maybe because I'm so jaded growing up and rooting for the teams that I rooted for, and you can never take things for granted, right? You can never enjoy things because you're always waiting for that other shoe to drop. Maybe we're just all conditioned like that as a fan of New York teams. Maybe. But what the Rangers are doing right now and in the spot that the Rangers are in right now, guess what? Tampa Bay right now is facing a situation that the Carolina Hurricanes, or excuse me, that the Rangers faced last round against Carolina, dropping the first two games on the road, and the Rangers were able to dig out from that. So you're really going to put it past the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions that they're not going to have at least somewhat of an answer to what the Rangers have done here in the first couple of games? I don't think this Tampa team is shaken. I don't think that they're worried. They're going back home. And as I said a couple of minutes ago, this is a team that's won 10 straight series. 10! They are not going down without a fight. And the Rangers still have some work to do. Can you feel good? Absolutely. You should feel good. You should feel great with what you've seen. And this team is playing better and better and gaining more momentum and gaining more speed as this postseason has progressed. 100%. And they're two wins away from the Stanley Cup Finals. Place that nobody thought they would be. And last night, look, that game didn't start off great for them. Somebody's got to explain to me, too. And I know that it's in hindsight and, you know, they got the job done. But somebody's got to explain to me why when Ryan Reeves and Patrick Maroon are getting into it there early in the game, why is Reeves the only one that gets the penalty? And then Ensign Maroon over to the sin bin there. Tell me. And then Tampa Bay is able to take advantage of it. They get the power play goal from Kucherov. And you're thinking, all right, Rangers getting screwed here. That's not right. You know, what kind of shenanigans is the NHL and the officiating crew up to here? That did not make any sense to me. But they were grouped. They answered. Keandre Miller, who... You know, we spend so much time talking about the young forwards on this team and that kid line, which continues to impress, of course, with Kako and Hedl and Lafreniere. And last night they had an answer, too. But how about Keandre Miller, a guy like him on that blue line who's becoming more assertive, who's becoming more aggressive, I think, in his overall game? Takes a whack. Shot gets blocked right back to him, puts it on net. Boom. We got ourselves a new hockey game. Then you have the kids once again answer late in the period. This time it's Capo Caco. And the Rangers dominated that first period. Aside from that early blip, they dominated the first period of that hockey game last night. So you felt good. 
you felt good going to the dressing room. And you know what? They dominated pretty much, I would say, three quarters of the second period, too. But Tampa Bay got their legs going a little bit in that latter half of the second period. And that, again, is where you point to the guy who's been the most valuable player on this hockey team all season long in Igor Shosturkin. Because the tail end of that second period, that was an opportunity when it was still a 2-1 hockey game. If Tampa gets one right there, then the third period might have played itself out a little bit differently. But Igor did what he had to do. Stood tall like he's done virtually all season long. And I thought, to be honest with you, the Rangers were almost fortunate to get to the locker room for that second intermission still with a 2-1 to lead because I thought Tampa was buzzing a little bit there. I mean, if you watch the game, how did you think not? And that's a had goal early in the third period. That was as big a goal as you could possibly have because it took the momentum right back to the New York Rangers. Right back. And at that point, all right, you could breathe a little bit easier. But Tampa, because they're champs, they still had another push. They weren't going away. They get the goal with the extra attacker, and you still had two minutes left in the hockey game. And at that point, if you're a Ranger fan, whether you're at the Garden, whether you're sitting there watching on your couch at home, wherever you are, listening to the game on 98.7 ESPN, when Tampa scores that goal and you still have two minutes left, you mean to tell me you weren't chewing on your fingernails a little bit? You mean to tell me that you weren't nervous, that uh-oh, Is this where it's all going to fall apart? You know, it kind of gave you like deja vu a little bit, maybe of game one in Carolina. Trying to protect that one goal lead. Carolina gets the late equalizer. Game goes into overtime, and we know that the Canes won that one. Way too much time. Rangers iced the puck a couple of times there, just trying to find a way to bleed the clock, but they prevailed nonetheless. They got it done. And this Tampa team, I'll tell you, I don't know if they're going to be invigorated getting back on their rink, back down there in Florida. But right now, two games in, they kind of give off the appearance of a team that looks a little bit gassed. I got to be quite honest with you. A little bit. And you wouldn't think that would be the case because they had so much time off leading into this series. And I know, again, you want to throw a party. You want to throw a celebration. You want to already start to line up for Stanley Cup final tickets and all those things. Let's pump the brakes a little. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. All the Rangers did was hold serve, right? They defended home ice. They did what they were supposed to do. My buddy Ty last night, I see on on Twitter, he's sitting there tweeting out, basically, give the Rangers the cup. (whistles) Right, Ty? He's already saying, plan the parade, plan the party. There's no way the Rangers aren't going to win this whole thing. Can't think like that. Can't think like that. You get disappointed when that happens. And again, this is a good team on the other end of the ice. That team's got rings, multiple rings. They know what it takes to get it done this time of year. I was just saying, it's starting to get that feel. Based on what what we've seen the first two rounds... Them being able to go, what, 5-0 and in elimination games, and now this team that was supposed to be a juggernaut, as you mentioned, won 10 straight series, two-time defending champions, and the Rangers so far through the first two games have just outplayed them thoroughly. They have. But so, two games don't make a series, They right? don't, but, I mean, it puts you in great position to win the series, doesn't it? Great position. And you know when you're going to be in an even better position, possibly? Just get one of these next two down there. Just get one of the next two. It's easier said than done. I think tomorrow, 
I'm not a betting man. I'll be honest with you. I think Rangers might be walking into a buzzsaw tomorrow. Today, it's a matinee, you know, day game. That place is going to be buzzing. Going to have all the pyrotechnics, that sort of thing. Because in a lot of ways, that's last stand. Think about it. Tomorrow might as well be elimination day for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They don't win tomorrow, it's over. Because they're not coming back from 3-0 down. If the Rangers win tomorrow, then Ty and everybody else out there who thinks it's almost fate to complete that the Rangers are going to win, then you could tweet your little heart out if the Rangers are better 60 minutes tomorrow. Then it's over. 100% it's over. But who saw this coming? That's the theme. Who saw this coming? We talk about like improbable runs or, you know, you think back to teams in this city that have made just these unbelievable surprise runs, either to championships or at least the you know championship round, if you will. Kind of like what the Mets did in 2015, going to the World Series. Like, nobody saw that coming. You know, and if you want to go back to like now, like, in, remember June of that year when the Mets had like the Eric Campbells of the world and the John Mayberry Juniors as the heart of their batting order, and they couldn't score a run to save their lives, and they're playing losing base. But like, who would have thought the Mets were going to the World Series that year? You know what I mean? But those are always the most fun. Those are always the most gratifying if you're a fan. You love that. You appreciate those more. I mean, hell, you can look at both of the recent Giants Super Bowls. Nobody saw those coming. (laughs) And you won them. Right? The element of surprise is always big when you're talking about sports. And the Rangers are in the process of delivering one of those again to this city. And darn it, we could use it. We can use it, can't we? And maybe the worm is turning a little bit. You know, you see what the Rangers are doing. Yankees and Mets, both in first place in their respective divisions. Dare I say, you know, things potentially looking up for both football teams. Giants under a new regime. Jets had a very productive offseason, improving the personnel. Dare I say that maybe as a whole, New York sports is starting to escape the doldrums of irrelevance? And then maybe we are going to actually start winning some big prizes or competing for some big prizes here again. I I know it's been forever, but we could be on the verge of this. This could be like the early foundation of it all. It's incredible. 800-919-ESPN, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Ranger calls. Want to hear from you guys. Got a lot of things to do here this morning. Mention the Yankees and the Mets. Yankees might not lose another game this year. You know, you want to you want to talk about a team you just hand the trophy to, might as well be the Yankees. I know we're only like 50 games in, but you might as well just cancel the, you know, remaining 100 games and then just have them start up in October again. They should earn an automatic bye to the playoffs. That's how good they are. Give them the number one seed. That's it. I mean, the Yankees are a juggernaut. Nothing is going to stop this baseball team. Nothing. Mets have had a couple of rough nights out there in L.A. Be nice if they could score a run. You know, I read somewhere that that's beneficial for a baseball team. Try to get back at it again. So we'll do all that. We'll do some NFL conversation, too, now that the offseason, for the most part, for the most part, is pretty much over. A chance to look back to review for both of the locals. We're going to do that, and we'll have some NBA Finals thoughts as well as we get ready for a game two coming up tomorrow night out there in San Fran. You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. You know, we'll get to the calls in just a second. Here's the other thing about the Rangers situation right now they find themselves in. And look, you just had evidence of this in the last round against Carolina, right? Where the first six games of that series went the way of the home team. 
and he didn't think it was going to change at all given how well Carolina's played in their building. And then the Rangers go in there and upset the apple cart, win game seven, and here we are. But think about, you know, as we were sitting there and just amazed at how well Carolina played in their building. It's kind of flying under the radar a little bit just how well the Rangers have played at MSG in this postseason run. Think about it. Eight straight wins, and the only blemish this entire postseason was that game one triple overtime outlier against Pittsburgh to start off the playoffs. That's the only game they walked off the ice defeated at MSG in these playoffs. So you got two more at the very least if you need it in this building. And if you've won eight in a row, you got to feel pretty good about your chances that if push comes to shove and that, you know, you, you want to wrap this thing up a lot sooner. But, you know, let's just say you do have to come back and play a game seven down the road. You'd probably like your chances. And a lot of, you know, this series was built about the two goaltenders, right? Arguably the two best goaltenders in the world right now in Igor Shosturkin, Andre Vasilevsky. You know, Vasilevsky, an accomplished goalie in his own right, of course, Vesna trophies, cups, all those things. But don't you think that the Rangers are in his head a little bit now, too? I, I mean, we can ask him, and even if you ask him, I don't know if you're going to get an honest answer, to be quite frank with you, but, you know, this is a guy who's now given up nine goals in the first two games of the series. Nine. Think about that. Nine. You know how many goals he gave up to the Florida Panthers in the last round in, in a, in a four-game sweep? Three. Florida Panthers, who won the President's Trophy, best team in the National Hockey League during the season. Three in four games, he's given up nine in the first two. Got to feel good, but still work to do. Still work to do. Let's start it off. Steve in New Rochelle. He's going to bat leadoff for us here on 98.7 ESPN. Stevie, good morning. How are you? Um, I'm doing well, Dan. How you doing? Good, Stevie. What's going on? You've been doing an awesome job. I've been nodding my head here to everything you've been saying thus far regarding the Rangers, right? And just, uh, you know, just want to point out something, right? You just said that Vasilevsky only gave up three goals against the number one seed, right? Don't forget, <clears throat> they also scored the most goals in the NHL, and he gave here's, up three. Yeah, you're right. Three. But he, he, here's the one thing, though, Steve. Let me just say this, and I'll let you finish, of course. The, the thing about sure. the Panthers, and it's, it's, I, you could say it's hindsight, but the Panthers, to me, even though they were a President's Trophy winner, they were still a little uh, let's see them do it when it counts the most in the playoffs because that organization and that group collectively had not won in the playoffs before. You know what I'm saying? That's a team that's gone a long right. time between any sort. They hadn't won a playoff round in decades before they actually won the first round this year. So it, yeah. it, to me, it's still not the same. Now, look, this Ranger team, I mean, on this club, I mean, how many guys – think about it. The guy on this – the guy on the Rangers right now who has the most playoff experience of any guy in the roster is Justin Braun, for crying out loud. Justin Braun, a guy who couldn't crack the lineup <laughs> during the regular season when they acquired him uh, at the trade deadline there. But, hey, it's working. Roll with it. Yeah, yeah. So, so listen, I'll tell you my thought, right? You know, I'm a – you know, I like to think that I know my hockey, okay? Um, coming into the playoffs, I thought we were going to beat the Penguins in five. I was very optimistic. We could have if that call went our way over in game one. So be it, we took him out in seven. I thought we were going to beat um, the Canes in seven, which we did. I thought we were going to get swept by Tampa Bay, and I'll tell you why. Okay, 
this Tampa Bay team, right, their coach, Cooper, admitted that he lets them out at about 70%. He, he saves them for the end of the season to come out and just demolish. And that's what Tampa Bay did. They came out, they demolished. Well, actually, sorry. They, they hardly got past the Maple Leafs, who are a very strong team. But they demolished Florida. And coming into this series, right, what I can tell you is that I now feel like I know nothing about hockey. And I'm excited to feel that way. Because where did this team come from? Where did these kids come from? This line, mm-hmm. okay, the kid line, right, where the three of them, okay, are 63 years old combined, okay, where everyone has been poo-pooing on them the whole year. Every time they're out there, it is electric. And all the Tampa's doing right now, right, it's very clear, is, all right, how do we stop Mika from taking – the Ovechkin shot from that left circle, right? It's clear that that that's what their focus was on. And guess what? The kid line was ignored. And I'm going to tell you, you know, everyone's saying the Rangers have to take one of these next two. I don't think they do. Hold serve. You want to come back to a game seven again? You know, it's not that I want that to happen. That's the thing. That's the thing. And and I thank you for the phone call. You don't want to run that risk, right? You got this team down a little bit. They're not out, but you want to apply the pressure and make sure that they're out. Don't run the risk of having to have this series go the distance again, and you're going to dare Tampa Bay, a team that's won two straight Stanley Cups, that they can't win a game seven on the road. I don't care where it is. But to your point, when you said that you don't know, you know, you you don't know as much hockey as you thought you knew, and I, I get what you're trying to explain there, but it just it's another reminder, and it's like this really in all sports. Regular season does not necessarily indicate what's going to happen in the playoffs. I don't care if you sweep a team during the regular season, you dominate a team during the regular season, you meet again in the postseason. It's a completely different ball game. Like I'll give you an example, and we are getting ahead of ourselves. And it's dangerous, but I will use it because I think that it illustrates just the point that I'm trying to drive home here. Let's just say, okay, for argument's sake, let's say the Rangers find a way to win two more games, right? And they go to the Stanley Cup Finals. And in all probability, even though that series is still not over yet, but Colorado's in control because they won the first two games over Edmonton. And you like to think that, you know, the Avalanche... That team has been poised to go to a Stanley Cup final for a while. Well, remember that game that Colorado, and remember, they only played two times during the regular season. But remember that game that Colorado played at Madison Square Garden earlier this year against the Rangers. Okay, they annihilated them. Now, you could also say that that was a game where the Rangers were kind of up against it in terms of, um, you know, their goaltending because that was the, uh, the Adam Huska start if I'm not mistaken that night for the blue shirts against Colorado and and they just got absolutely blitzed so you're not going to see Adam Huska again in that game if or in that series if the Rangers play the Colorado Avalanche that's why you know just because teams line up one way let's say in December does not mean that that's how they're going to look again when they meet in June it might as well be a completely different season right 
December. That's six months. That's like longer than a normal offseason in the National Hockey League. Way, way, way too early to make any sort of definitive assessment as to what's going to happen there in the next round. And again, don't assume that you'll be there. You got work to do. This is a good hockey team in Tampa Bay. You've made it look somewhat routine in the first couple of games. That could change drastically as soon as you hit the ice tomorrow afternoon down there in Amelie Arena. You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. At Dan Grassi, you can get me on Twitter, G-R-A-C-A. Talking Rangers, talking hockey. The Blue Shirts, victorious again last night at a rowdy MSG. They are now halfway to knocking out the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs and heading to the Stanley Cup Finals. Game three tomorrow afternoon, of course, down in Tampa. Our coverage begins at 2 p.m. right here on 98.7 ESPN. By the way, we're going to hear from Gerard Gallant here in just a second, but coming up in about a half an hour, just after 10.30 or thereabouts, we are still going to have our weekly installment of Stump Rothenberg, even though that Dave is not here. I will be sitting in the hot seat. So get ready at 10.30 for another lightning round of the most hyped, most acclaimed segment in radio history. I see what you did there, lightning round. Light, you like that, see? I like that. Well, somebody's got to bring the lighting up because they haven't done much themselves in the last few days, right? I haven't heard from them in, in about a couple weeks here. <laughs> that, that's hey, funny. how they are you? They haven't, haven't won a game. How, how long has it been since they've actually won a game? Because when was, that, when was the closeout against uh, Florida? What yeah, day was that? Their series uh, against the Panthers ended pretty quickly. So uh, you got to go back to May Monday, May 23rd, I believe it was. Yes. May 23rd. That's the last time that's they won the a game. So we're talking time. almost two weeks. That's the last time they won a game. Wow. Don't sleep on them, though. I'm telling you, don't sleep on them. It is not over yet. Um, let's hear from the head coach, Gerard Gallant. How's this team getting better throughout the playoffs? I think everybody's buying in. you got to pay a price to win games in the playoffs, and I think if you looked at our team since probably game four, game five of the Pittsburgh series, we block a lot more shots, we finish a lot more hits, we play the game the right way a lot more, and uh, that's, that's how you win in the playoffs. And is he noticing in all this team continuing to break these records and these streaks, like Tampa Bay, for example, had gone so long without losing back-to-back games in the playoffs? Is he aware of any of this stuff? No, we just, I mean, it's, uh, I say it all the time, it's just, it's a, it's a huge game for us, it's a huge win for us, but we just get ready for the next one. I mean, it's in the past, behind us, we know what we're doing with, the good, with you know, playing a real good team like Tampa, and, you know, to play the way we played the last two games, that's the way we're going to have to play to win the series, and uh, we want to battle hard, we want to compete hard, and we've been a tough out so far, and that's how, how the guys got to rally around that, but, uh, you know, I think we're a good hockey team, we, we played great hockey in the playoffs, and, you know, we find a way to win games, and it's all about, like I said, the next game's the most important one now this one's over and it's a good feeling but the next one's a big one there's no denying the fact that the rangers have been a tough out so far here in this postseason uh how about adam fox guy won a norris trophy last year you see how much of a virtuoso he is with the puck with his playmaking ability you saw it on display last night he said he's not letting any of that outside noise affect either anybody in that dressing room you know we heard all year that wasn't really gonna have playoff success and We've said it all year, the belief in the room is high and, you know, the outside opinions isn't really affecting anyone. You know, like you said, coming down from down 3-1, down 2 nothing, and, you know, this team obviously had a good playoff streak of not losing back-to-back games, but, you know, that's not really in our minds when we're coming to the games. We're not thinking about what streaks teams have or how they've done earlier. It's 
right now and you know we're just trying to bring it day in and day out and the guys in those room believe in each other and yeah I don't think the the outside noise or any uh, perceptions of our team really affects our uh, mindset going into the games that is Foxy all right let's get back to the calls Craig in Jersey up next here on 98.7 Craig how are you hey good morning Dan how are you today good Craig what's going on with you not much so uh, you know coming into this series against Tampa Bay I really did feel the Rangers had the uh not so much the advantage, but I, I felt like they were going to win. Um, you know, the kid line has been great, as we can all tell. Um, but not for nothing, the Rangers out there, they look a lot faster than the Lightning. They, they look tired. They look beaten down. And, uh, you know, I think the Rangers could pull this off in four. Craig, look, right now, and I, I thank you for the phone call, you're feeling it if you're a fan, right? And I, I just got done saying, you know, you even heard Henrik Lundqvist say as much last night as they were signing off the postgame show on MSG late last night there. The thing about Tampa, and, you know, we were joking about how long of a layoff they had between rounds and, and that sort of thing. You expected them to be rusty in game one, right? Because they haven't had that game action, you know, especially talking about Stanley Cup conference final action for a good long while. You can't simulate that stuff in practice. But what I didn't expect to see, you know, given the fact that they had only played just one game in the last, what, 10, 11 days before they dropped the puck last night, I didn't expect them to look as lackadaisical and lethargic as they did for really the better part of 60 minutes. Toward the end of that game, I was like, yeah, that, that team looks gassed. And you would think that if there is a team that is going to be a little tired in the legs, it would be the Rangers because they're the ones that have had to grind out and play seven games in the first round, seven games in the second round, and basically just like, you know, with one day of rest in between, throw in the travel. They should have the excuse of being the more tired club. But Tampa Bay looks that part. Now, look, that could all change – the drop of a hat, and that could come as soon as tomorrow. You just don't want to allow that team to get the momentum or at least begin to try to seize it back. James in Spring Valley up next here on 98.7 ESPN. James, good morning. How are you? Dan, it's been a minute since we talked, man. How, how have you been, man? Oh, like... James, it is great to hear from you. I'm good. I'm doing my thing. How about you? How's things? Uh, you I mean, I'm kind of upset that the Rangers are in. You know I'm an Islander fan, so it hurts me. But I have to ask this question because it really hurts me to see the Rangers doing this well. But let me ask you this. This run in the Rangers is doing – the run the Rangers on is doing so impressive. So I have to ask, with the run the Rangers are on, with their potential to go to the Cup, is there a more impressive run in recent New York sports history you can think of that is just as impressive as the Rangers' run? Because this run is A, out of nowhere, B, no one saw this coming, and C, the kid line is just unbelievable. They, they can't be stopped. Tampa has no answer for them. James, you know, it, it's hard, and, and I thank you for the phone call. I was talking about that a little earlier in the show today, you know, about these unexpected runs. And we've seen a couple, I think, in this city over the years. I think that, you know, like I said, I used the Mets going to the World Series in 2015. A lot of youth on that club, especially with the pitching, which was kind of like the driving force. I think that came out of nowhere. I think both giant Super Bowl championships in 2007 and 2011, those came out of nowhere. 
Right. I mean, the Giants came into the playoffs in 2007, you know, having to play, you know, good football late in the season. They snuck in, but, you know, they were pretty much a team that was underdog in all three of those games. And oh, by the way, they had to defeat the undefeated Patriots to end up hoisting that Lombardi, which they did. And then even though they won a division in 2011, what were they, 9-7 and seven that year, right? They didn't look the, the part of a championship team. And then had those wars. To, you know, right, they got the Falcons in the first round at home. The Falcons were kind of fugazi. Then they go into Lambeau Field and took on a Packers team, which was the favorites, to win the whole darn thing, right? That was a 15-1 and team. You had Aaron Rodgers playing at a high level. They beat the Packers in Lambeau. Then they go into San Francisco and beat a, a, a very, very physical, tough, well-coached, hard-nosed football team in San Francisco, coached by Harbaugh. Those were good Niner teams that Harbaugh had those first couple of years, at least. Uh, it, it was an absolute war. I mean, Eli Manning probably took the biggest beating I've ever seen him take as a quarterback in that NFC Championship game against the Niners. Then they got to go and beat the Patriots again. So those Giants Super Bowls, um, I mean, it probably isn't going to resonate on the same level, but I got—I I mean, I think the Devils... Ten years ago, as a matter of fact, when they went all the way to the Stanley Cup final, they didn't win. I think that took a lot of people by surprise. Remember, they beat the Rangers in the conference final, and then they ran into the buzzsaw that was the L.A. Kings that year and Jonathan Quick, which was, you know, Jonathan Quick was like a brick wall that year in the postseason. That was when Daryl Sutter took over mid-year, and the Kings went to the playoffs as an eight seed, but just went on a magic carpet ride, were playing their best hockey, and they couldn't be beaten. And, you know, the Devils fell short there in the last round. But, yeah, I mean, those are a few that come to mind. You know, you go back to 99, that Knicks run all the way to the finals. That was pretty surprising given, you know, how they had played all season long. But it doesn't make them any less satisfying. And that's what you got to love about this thing. Let's say hi to Joe in Massapequa. He's up next. Joseph, you're on 98.7. How are you? Hey, Chris, how are you today? It's Dan, actually, but if we're just calling people oh, random Dan. names, what do you want me to call yeah, you, Joe? Yeah, I'm sorry, Bob, Jim. I've been called worse, too. All uh, right, The Steve. thing is, uh, I just want to talk, of course, about the Ranger run. I mean, everybody loves the kid line, but the thing is, in Tampa, Cooper gets that last change, and I don't think he's going to have his checking line out against the kid line. So we just got to keep it going, and Gallant's got to be very uh, creative with his line changes, too. I mean, the kid I line, agree you know, with you. keep up. Joe, I agree with you, and I thank you for the call, because remember in the last round, right, Rangers were having a hard time, specifically that Mika line, the top group, whenever the uh, the Hurricanes and Rod Brindamore were able to get that last change, and he got that stall checking line out there, at least those first three games down in Raleigh, that group was hard, was really finding a lot of difficulty in terms of trying to get anything sustained offensively. So, right, it is a – again, Rangers did what they were supposed to do these first two games, held serve at home. It doesn't mean it's going to come that easy for them in games three and four down there in Tampa because come 6 o'clock tomorrow night when, you know, you figure that game should be over by then, whoever's on the air, I don't know who's on the air, but it could be a completely – Pat O'Keefe, okay? When Pat's on, could be a completely different tenor – to the conversation that you and I have been having for the last hour plus about this hockey team. You know, if they go out there tomorrow when they lose 7-1, you know, you might want to pump the brakes a little bit about that trip to the finals. But let's see what happens when they drop the puck. You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. 
He's pompous. Listen, shut up and I'll tell you the story. He's arrogant. Do you think there's a lot of things out there that I wouldn't be good at? And sometimes he's downright mean. I know you know what that's like. To be that uncomfortable, pimply-faced, not very popular kid. (laughs) But now it's your chance to prove him wrong. It's dumb. Call 800-919-3776 with your question and let's stump Dave Rothenberg. Well, it's not going to be Stump Dave Rothenberg today. It's going to be Stump Dan Grasso. But Stump Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN is brought to you by Slomans. This actually the, I'm trying to remember, at least two, maybe even the third time for me in the hot seat doing this. So I'm ready. Bring it on. Whatever you got, I'm going to be up to the challenge here. 800-919-3776. Let's start it off here with... Al in Queens, who was our leadoff hitter today on Stump Rothenberg. Al, good morning. How are you? How are you? Good. Good, Al. What's up? Uh, yeah, my question is, um, who has the most catches for running backs all time? Most catches by a running back in NFL history. Now, I would have said once upon a time, you know, years and years and years ago, I probably would have said... Roger Craig, but there have been so many others that have come along since. So I will say um, it's got to be somebody that's probably in the Hall of Fame. I'm thinking one of two directions, but I will go. How about Marshall Falk? Ah, no, it's Larry Sinners. Really? Yeah, I just found that out the other day on a. I think you got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was shocking to me, too. Well, where did you find it out? Did you find it out from some yo-yo at the bar, or did you actually, oh, like, find no, this? as it was as... on TV, on SportsCenter. I think he got inducted to the uh, uh, Hall of Fame. And I was Larry shocked. Centers isn't in the Hall of Fame. No, he's Larry not. Centers isn't in the Hall of Fame. Ty, can we, can we fact-check this? Yeah, it's correct. 827. Um, Larry Centers is the answer? Yeah, he owns the NFL record for most passes caught by a running back during a career. Are we? Are you sure about that? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Now, wait a sec. Are we factoring in, like, postseason two, just regular season? Which, which What are we going with here? Um, it looks like combined. Postseason and regular season. Really? Yeah. <sighs> it's not Marshall Falk. It's not. Was it Marshall Falk at any point in time in history? Well, that's gonna take some. That's uh, I know, gonna take a I deep know. dive. All right, so good job by Al. 827 receptions, currently the most by any running back, and were the most by any non-wide receiver in NFL history. Wow! And that was until to- uh, Tony Gonzalez surpassed that mark as a tight end. But yeah, Tony Gonzalez as, caught a lot of passes. But uh, as far as running backs are concerned, yeah, I mean that's shocking to me too. I, I I mean Larry Centers I remember he you know fullback catch a lot of passes so on and so forth but wow caught passes in 128 consecutive games at one point that was the third longest streak in the NFL now they would kill that guy for being like a checkdown you know oh he's just checking it down to Larry said no but a lot of Larry know. Centers uh, education going on here yeah, he was good you know his best years were with the Cardinals and whatnot I remember Larry Center sure oh all right good job by Al so we're all for one we got to redeem ourselves here uh let's talk to Anthony who is in the mail truck right now doing God's work on a Saturday morning Anthony how are you 
Good morning, Dan. How you doing, brother? Anthony, I'm outstanding. What's up with you? Nothing much. Um, I, I'm, I'm not saying Ty's wrong. I, I just looked that up, though, and it says Marshall Falk has made the most career catches by a running back with 767. And the, fa- and the, and the fact check on here says uh, Larry Sanders has 761 receptions. Well, I'm looking so, at 8, 827. I, I got 827. All right. Now, you're probably Well, Anthony, hang on one sec. Hang on one second. I just want to say to Ty, maybe this requires a little bit more investigating because if we really want to get down to the nitty-gritty, technically speaking, Larry Centers was a fullback. Was he not? He was not a quote-unquote running back. Yes, he was in the backfield, but he is a fullback, not a primary ball carrier like, let's say, a Marshall Falk is. If you want to ask the question, who's got the most catches by anybody who lines up in the backfield running back fullback, then might be Larry Centers. But I was just thinking in my head, strict running back, which Larry Centers was not. He's listed as a fullback, but uh, per the research that I was able to stumble across, yeah. it says the most by any running back. The 827 for Larry Centers, most by any running back. Larry Centers probably has more catches, though, than he even has career rushes, rush attempts. Is that fair? Probably. So, I mean, like, that's what I mean. Like, I'm not thinking in my head like Larry Centers running back. He's not even, like, into the conversation because, to me, he's a fullback. But whatever. Whatever. But, Anthony, I appreciate appreciate the help, my man. What do you got? Of course. Uh, all right, so there's two players in NBA history to have three games with 40 points and one or fewer turnovers in a single postseason. One of those players is Kobe Bryant. Can you name the second player? All right, again, 40 points. Yeah. What else? 40 points and one or fewer turnovers in a single postseason. There's only been two players in NBA history, one of them being Kobe, who is the second. Um, uh, oh, 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 wait, 40 points and one or fewer turnovers, you're saying? Correct. It's got it. It's just it. It just happened. Um, Jimmy Butler. There you go. There you go. That's impressive. There you go. Well, I mean, it just—I ha- mean, that's all we heard about. And I'm not the biggest Heat guy, and really, to be quite honest with you, not even the biggest Jimmy Butler guy. Yeah, he, heat he was, culture. He, no, I'm not a Heat. The, yeah, heat you, you, you want to know? Hey, you want to know Heat culture? Heat culture is South Beach, nice weather, no taxes, clubbing. That's Heat culture. <laughs> all right, that's Heat culture. Wow, Stop. one one man. That's awesome. That's awesome. But I'm still, like again, the Larry, like that is gonna gnaw at me for like the rest of the day, because okay. I mean the thing about it now, like fullbacks, it's even worse today because the fullback has basically become extinct, like the T Rex. Like there, there aren't fullbacks anymore in the NFL. You know what I mean? So like, it's just that's why I don't even think of guys like Larry Centers anymore. I don't even think Larry Centers' family thinks about Larry Centers. Anymore. No, Larry Centers is a good family guy. Don't even. Go there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even go there. Great. Family. All right, what do we got next? Uh, Chris in Beth Page is up next here. He's got a little stump, Rothenberg. Christopher, how are you? Very good, uh, Dan. After further review, I saw yeah. that Larry Sanders actually scored 40 points and only had one turnover in the game, so you better check that out. <laughs> half and half, Larry Sanders. There you go. Oh, all right. So, anyhow, 
I'm going to be a uh, topic-related uh, hockey question. Who has yeah. the record for most overtime playoff goals? Those would obviously be game-winning goals. Uh, in the in the playoffs? In the playoffs, overtime goals. I'll tell you, it's eight. <clears throat> Only eight? Really? Yeah, I mean, think about it. That's, you know, you're scoring a... It's a rarity when you're, you score the overtime goal for a team and, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I, I was impressed he had at least eight. That was a lot. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. It's coming back to me. Because, again, this is something that was shown recently. I'll tell you, I'll, Chris, I got you on this one, and I'm going to tell you why. And I'll ask you before I give my answer, I'll throw in another hint there. Is the team that he is the architect of still playing hockey right now in the playoffs? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Unbelievable is right. The answer would be the former captain and Stanley Cup winner and now the current general manager or president of hockey operations, whatever the hell he wants to be called, of the Colorado Avalanche. That would be Joe Sackett, correct? You got him, my friend. There you go. Because, again, they showed that during one of the Colorado games in the playoffs. Like when they showed Joe Sackett up in the box, that was one of the things that the announcers threw out there about his playoff career. So there you go. Good right. job, he Chris. Broke, he broke Maurice uh, the Rocket Rashad, who had six. He's in second. The, uh, Maurice the Rocket Rashad. So Joe Sackick and Rocket Rashad won two. So there you go. Another thing that Joe Sackick can put on his uh, little mantle there. Chris, good job with the phone call there. How about that? That's that's awesome. We are very impressed back at the station. We see Dave do this you know, week in and week out, so right. we're kind of used to it. But for you to just fill in and... We are. We well, are I don't take impressed. a back seat to anybody. I, I mean, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm sorry. No, I don't know what Dave to, usually does. They might but have to I'm, change it to Stump Grasa soon because you, I mean, you are I, killing it, my friend. Well, in fairness, in fairness, the, you know, like, what have you done for me lately? The short-term memory recall, that has played a role here because the Butler thing just happened. And so did the Joe Sackick thing. Like, these were things that were kind of like thrown in our face here over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, I benefit from that. But I still am annoyed about the Larry Centers thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the Larry like, Centers thing, I don't take lightly. It's going to keep you up at night, like over you know, this weekend. You're going to be 3 a.m. in your bed just thinking about this. You're like that great player in a basketball game who scores 47. You know, it's, it's 12 assists and 7 rebounds, but you're still mad about that one turnover in the first quarter. Right. If you or if you, you know, you've, you know, won, you know, 30 straight games or whatever and then you or you know, you won 29 out of 30 games or something, that one you lost is the one that's going to keep you up late at night. I'll tell you if we get if we get Marshall Falk on the phone at some point and I ask him, you know, who's got the most receptions by a running back in NFL history, he'd probably be like, "Oh, it's me." <laughs> and then if you challenge him and say, "Well, you know, technically it might be Larry Centers," and he would probably just hang up the phone. <laughs> he will be annoyed. He wouldn't want to hear it. Would not want to hear it. Uh, let's get another one up here. Brian in Bergen up next here on 9870 SPM. Brian, good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good morning. How are you? Good, Brian. What's going on? Not much. I got a layup NFL draft question for you. Let's see if oh. you're Ben Simmons. See, if you, if, you, if you say layup, there's almost more pressure on you there because if it's deemed something that's really easy, like there's no way I should get it wrong, which just intensifies the pressure. I mean, how, how old are you? I'm old enough. 
Let's put it that way. Old enough. All right. I've so seen I'm, some I'm stuff. I'm 31, and I've been watching yeah. the NFL draft since I was 10. So the okay. NFL draft question. So anyone my age will get this. So this is in the. So basically, so it's the last like 20 years. So it's in the 2000s, basically. That is correct. All right. Okay. So since the year 2000, there have been three number one overall picks to go on to win the Super Bowl. Can you name all three? <sighs> um. <clears throat> to win the Super Bowl. To win Super Bowl champion. Matthew Stafford, because he just did it this past year, correct? There you go. There you go. One for one. All right, since 2000. Since 2000. Eli. Eli Manning. Of course. Eli Manning. That's two. Third one's probably the toughest one. I'm trying to think. Who is it? I'm trying to think number one picks here. Um, this is a this is a, a tough one. It's probably a non-quarterback, so I have to think because, like, that's what make. I mean, mo, you know, nine times out of ten, the number one pick is going to be a quarterback. Uh Oh, I got it. All right, cool. I, Let's go. I, I think I got it. I think I got it. Let's go with, and it was one of the worst drafts. I mean, I, that draft didn't get you excited at all, the at Jets, all. The Jets got a really good player in that draft. No, they didn't. Well, the set, the, the second. Jets don't get good players. They, they got a really good player. The second of the the two. The first second, players. okay, the second one. Um. Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher, Central Michigan. He was the first pick in the draft. Remember the kid? I remember um, going, like, the whole process leading up to that draft. Remember Luke Jokel was the guy who was supposed to be, like, the number one pick? He was another tackle. And then it ended up being Fisher at the last minute. uh, Kansas City took him, and he won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago with uh, Casey. Yeah, so the Jets in that draft, um, D. Milliner was the, the ninth pick overall. Yeah, that, that yeah. and Sheldon Richardson, he was pretty good until he, you know flamed out. But how about this, Dan? Uh, do you remember who the offensive rookie of the year was in, in 2013? Oh God, I don't off the top of my head. Eddie no. Lacy. <laughs> Eddie, well, Eddie Lacy was Eddie Lacy was good for a short period of time, but he while. just got he run started, into the ground. He started eating too much. Yes, and then Sheldon Richardson was the defensive rookie of the year. Well, he was with the Packers and, yeah. you know, all those cheese curds or whatever. I mean, that, that, that puts on some weight, does it not? Yes. I, I, By the way, wait, 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 wait. Uh-oh. Wait a darn minute. What was our previous caller's name, Ty? Oh, man. Paul? Was it Paul in Bergen? Or it was somebody in Bergen? I apologize. What, what the name? That is an incorrect question that he just asked. <laughs> He said there were three in the last 20 years. That is incorrect. Because I'll ask you the question, Ty. You're a smart guy. This gentleman was a number one overall pick in the draft in the 2000s. And he also got a Super Bowl ring as a member of the New York Football Giants, as a backup quarterback. Who is he? A member? Uh, the, 
a backup quarterback for the Giants. He has a ring. The Giants Super Bowl in 2011, he was Eli's backup. Who was Eli's backup in 2011? He uh, was a guy who was the number one overall pick in the 2000s. What, uh, oh, he uh, was an expansion was team's uh, first David overall Carr. pick. David there Carr. you go. David so Carr. our previous caller, the answer, there's four, not three. Don't forget about David Carr. <laughs> David Carr. Good Lord, you're good. Wow, this is, uh, this is you on a different level here. Think about this. Think about this. We're really going to have to rename this segment, man. You're coming at me with Larry Centers. I'll <laughs> counter that with David Carr. So what are you now? Four and one? Four and one, I believe. Four and one with an asterisk. Four and one. Like, I, if you ask me the David Carr question, since I'm correcting the person that asked it, that should be like the extra credit question in school, like when you get a, a wrong question on the test, and then you get the extra credit, the bonus questions right. That like makes up for the points you lost with the wrong question. So in my opinion, I should be undefeated. Yeah, I don't think it works that way with, uh, with Slomans, my man. I think it's tough. I got a question for you if you're interested. Do Slomans even know who Larry Centers is? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they have no clue who Larry Centers uh, is. That's generally how it goes. I've got a question for you if you are yes, so sir. interested. All right, so it's an NBA question. Shakira. <laughs> it is not Shakira. But no. <laughs> Nikola Jokic just became Nikola Jokic just became the first center mm-hmm. to go back-to-back MVPs since this center did so. And by the way, I am not counting Tim Duncan as a center because when he won the award, he was listed as a power forward. But the last center to go back-to-back MVPs. You know this. Moses. Wow. (laughs) Moses. No, and here's why. Here's why. Because we recently lost him, you know, know, a few years back. Moses is one of the most underrated underrated great players of all time. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, we're talking about a guy who won how many MVP, multiple MVP awards? He won two Multi- MVPs. Three, right? Three MVP yes, awards. three, yes. Three in three. like a five-year span, I believe. And he, whenever we talk about these all-time great big men discussion, this, that, why does his name fly under the radar? Like, and, that is never brought to the forefront. And the back-to-back MVPs, by the way, he won it with two different teams. And then the second stop, obviously, with the Sixers, he right. followed up the regular season MVP with the finals MVP that year. They won the title. So, wow, that's a yeah. good job by you, man. I'm, I'm really impressed. Moses is a great player. Great player. Phenomenal job. Does Jake have one, too? Jake said he's part of the, the festivities. So, is Dan, I'm going to keep it real with you. Okay. I was not expecting you to be this good. So, when I was looking up a question this morning, I was like, you know, Dave, I go extremely hard every week. Right. But, you know, we have a fill-in today. I'm not too sure. So, now I don't even well, know. Well, let me this- ask you a question. Yes. Let me ask you a question. Yes. And, and, and you know that I love you. And I didn't. Why- I never doubted you, just so you and know. I, and I appreciate your admission there. But why would you expect that I would come to the table with very, very low firepower? It why, wasn't why, the, why would you expect It wasn't that? the low firepower. It's just that Dave... This is his baby. He comes with such right. high firepower that I didn't know if you would. I knew you would be bringing firepower, but, but see, I, I, I don't didn't see. I'm not the type of person. Firepower. And maybe, and, and you know what it is? Maybe I should from now on. Like maybe I should just go out there every five seconds and just like remind people how much I know and how brilliant I am and all those. things. I am, but I don't do that. I'm, I don't do. You that. have no idea how impressed I am right now, yeah. and I'm sure all the listeners. And again, I I work with you all the time with Jets and 
shows and Rangers and Knicks. But when we're doing Rangers pregame, well, like we're not sitting there basically playing Jeopardy. Oh, it's, no. You know, did Mika advantage at score and crap like it's, it's We keep it to the game. We talk about a lot of stuff. So I do know you're a very right. well-rounded person. Today you've gotten football, basketball, hockey. So I actually have a good old baseball question for you. Ooh, baseball. Okay. And it's right in your wheelhouse with the Mets. Again, I didn't know how far or hard I should go. So my question for you today is, who is the Mets' all-time leader in batting average? Oh, my gosh. Are we talking like, not single season, like all-time, like all career? All-time career with the Mets, who has the best batting average with the Mets all-time. And it's not someone who played three games and got a that's hit. What I, that's what I was no, going to say. It's, because It's a minimum my, one season. Because my buddy, God love him, C.J. Nitkowski, he's the all-time Mets career leader in ERA, but he was only with the Mets well, for like Matt, a month. Well, Matt Carpenter might be leading the Yankees all-time in slugging since every but, time hey, he gets a hit, it's a home run. But that, Matt, yes, Carpenter, Matt Carpenter, we're going to talk about him coming up here in the next hour because i got something to say about him. Um, I'm going to say Mets really don't have guys historically, you know, because – Piazza was hitting over 300 for the first couple of years, but then he tailed off certainly with those years as he got on to his final seasons with the Mets, so he probably didn't keep it up. Um, it's got to be somebody probably that was in a short period of time, but not like a short period, like 10 games, maybe only like a couple of years to where then his skills didn't erode enough to where the average would take a dip. I'll take a flyer. Um, and he was one of my favorite Mets. And this guy, again, one of the more under – in the conversation, Jake, and, and this is – maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. One of the most underrated Mets – underrated ball players, I think. Is it John Olerud? Dan, you are amazing, my friend. There you go. There you go. And you – How good was John How Olerud? many little leaguers wanted to wear a helmet wearing first base <laughs> on the field? I don't even know <laughs> – I, I know he had the reason there was, I think there was, what, he had a medical thing or regardless. Yeah, I think he had an aneurysm or something back in his college But no one made wearing like a helmet in the field as cool. I mean, he's the only one who did it, but he it looked so cool when he did it. Everyone that, wanted to wear the helmet on first base. I, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now that running out on first base in a Little League game, they wore their helmet to try to be like John Olerud. But yes, he is the all-time leader in Mets batting average. You mentioned Piazza. He's fourth. Keith Hernandez, three. And at number two, someone who's currently on the team. You want to take a guess? Currently on the team? Currently on the team. Oh, it's got to be um, uh, McNeil, no? Yeah, it's got to be McNeil, right? It's the squirrel, Jeff McNeil at number two. But John Olerud, number one with a 315 career batting average with the New York Mets. Former New York Yankee great. Don't forget about that, John Olerud. Well, he he wasn't as good with the Yankees. That helmet helmet made its way around in the field for a few teams, for sure. Let me me tell you something. Olerud, remember the Mets went to the playoffs in 99 and 2000, and they actually went to the World Series in 2000. So technically that that team achieved more. It didn't work out well. But I always, I mean, like, if you anybody that was old enough to remember, the 99 team was superior to the 2000 team. Like, if that 99 team played the 2000 team, 99 team would win. And I think one of the big reasons why is because 99 Olerud was there, and he left to go to Seattle in free agency after that 99 season. And then Todd Zeal came in. And I love Todd Zeal. He's my buddy. But Olerud was a damn, damn good player. 
And, you know, he went to Seattle and those Mariner teams. Remember, he was part of that Mariner team in 2001, which set the record for most regular season wins. And then they lost to the Yankees. But he was such a good player. So remember, he flirted with a 400 average the one year when he was with the Blue Jays. The dude is because he was unassuming, you know, didn't, you know, wasn't exactly demonstrative or anything like that. John O'Leary was one of the most underrated, you know why, really good players. You want to know why? Because he always had his helmet on. He was always ready to go. He was always he was a gamer. He was a gamer. So very, that, is that, that it? Is, that's it. Is that, and very well done today, my friend. Yeah. Well, we got that was more. fun. We got one more if you want them. Do we, you tell me. I mean, we'll take another one if you want another one. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. We're not, we're not bound by any sort of clock restrictions or anything like that? I mean, at this point, it's like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like at this point, who at cares? at the point of no return. <laughs> yeah. Sloman, Sloman's is sitting there. Basically, they got the meter running anyways. It doesn't matter. They're paying. We're, or, you know, they get the money regardless. Uh, all right, so we got one more. Who's it coming from here? Andre in the Bronx. He is going to be the last one here on Stump Rothenberg. Andre, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for making it, Andre. I always listen, and I'm always amazed at the the almanac that uh, the Stump Rothenberg guy, his brain is an almanac. It's crazy. But I, I got one for you. Yeah. Here it is. He's a, a giant pitcher. Okay. He's, in his first major league appearance, he hit a home run. A Giants pitcher. So San Francisco Giants yeah. pitcher. Are we talking San Francisco, not New York Giants? Not New York, San Francisco. And he hit a home run in his first game? As a pitcher. <sighs> Jesus. <sighs> I'm just, I'm going to throw out a guess only because it, it, it doesn't ring a bell. It wasn't Madison Bumgarner, was it? No. No. Who was it? John the Count Montefusco. <laughs> John Montefusco. Oh, my God. That's a long time ago. That's Who the hell are you? The Count. That was unfortunately that was before my time. Like I don't remember his career. Obviously, I was I don't even think I was born. As a matter of fact. Okay, so there you go. But good, tr- good one, Andre. That's a good one. I'm, I I remember. I know the Count. I know who he is. Heard of him, of course. But was I old enough to see him play? Not really. He's a Yankee. He was a Yankee. Believe it or not. Hasn't he come to some old timers games too? His last season actually was uh, '86. No, but hasn't he been in like some old timers games for the Yankees? I don't. Remember. I'm pretty sure. I don't remember him being a part of old timers day. But no, I could be wrong. I just remember they make a big deal when they're doing the introductions. The Count John Montefusco, you know, like that. No, yeah. Mets have an old timers day this year too. That should be fun. That should be exciting. You think Olerud shows up? <laughs> you know what they should do? They should like the Mets and Yankees should both schedule the old timers days like days apart from each other. So then, like John Olerud could do both. I thought you both. were going to say they should have a Yankees old timers team versus a Mets old timers team and just have them go at it. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought you were going to say that. Have a medic on hand. A subway. Oh my god! A subway <laughs> series. <laughs> I thought you were going to say there's a chance um, Jacob Degrom shows up to old timers day because it's been so long since we've seen him pitch. Oh, it's almost ouch. like he retired. <laughs> 
Out, you see that? That's called a dig. <laughs> they they call that a dig in the trade. Like a wow, yikes! Six, but six and two, man, not bad, not bad at all. So so think so so tie. Here's the here's the run that ties going on here over the last like what twelve hours. He's already got the Rangers hoisting the trophy. There we go. Hoisting the cup, the parade down the Canyon of Heroes, and. Jacob DeGrom is basically, we're writing Jacob DeGrom off for not just this year, but like for the end of time. Oh, no, no. It's, I'm just saying, like, haven't seen him pitch in a while. You would figure he, he would have retired. So, you know, it's been, I actually I also had a great stat. Um, yeah. Warriors 1 and 8 in their last nine finals games without Kevin Durant. So take that for what you want. Wait, say, say that. Wait, let me absorb that one again. Uh, this one made rounds eight. yesterday. 1 and okay. 8 in their last nine finals games without Kevin Durant. Are the Golden really? State Warriors? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's something. Can I tell you something though? Ironically enough, I actually think like, and and we're still early on. This Celtic team almost reminds me a little bit of that Toronto team that beat them. Oh, in nineteen, yeah. 